Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Hola, señores and señoritas. ¿Cómo está? Arroy Barbitos. Binka! Right. Welcome, everybody, to the Blunt Force Gamers Podcast. Binka! Featuring. Don Gato Canbotes. El Lucha Libre Especial. And. Kazuka, <laughs> the Lord Dragon. And Darth Blasphemous. I really wish you would have wore the gift I gave you at the wedding. Ah, si, senor. Lucha is life. <laughs> uh, so we've got a fun topic for today, and I know Gabo is not too excited about it, but... Nada. It is everything about how to retire a character, how to handle when your character dies, cool things to do in remembrance of them, such as maybe actually burying them at the side of the road, not just stripping them for all their stuff and walking away. Morigrando estupido trabajo. I mean, yeah, there's, there's like a lot someone of... find his reset button. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, glad you glad to see you went to the same place. Um, that's for player death or character death. Let's clarify, character death or character retirement. It's it, it seems like it's one of those things that's going to be a case by case basis. Every character is going to be at the very least, its own story, if not necessarily its own unique entity. Because, you know, we all know all good ideas have shown up at least once somewhere else. With that being said, you know, as a player, if one of the companions die, I try to, at the very least, uh, give them a decent funeral if not necessarily a professional one. Because it's... It's something that, unless I'm playing a purely selfish asshat character, is something that is worthy of their respect, if nothing else. And... It's kind of an interesting thing to see more... on, like, the retire side. Like rode off into the sunset, right? Came back some other time, had, had different adventures. So, real quick, just to give people more of a understanding of what we mean by retiring. Say you've been playing the same character, you've been in this campaign for about a year, you've gone up two or three levels, and you're really not feeling it. The character's not what you wanted it to be. The story requires different things. And you're just like, you know, I want to retire this character. I'm not having fun with them. It was, it was a blast at those two levels, but this last one's been a slog, and for character reasons, they're not getting along with the rest of the party, or they're not wanting to do this goal, to get rid of them. Have them step out, exit stage left, you know, fall down an elevator shaft in a fucking daytime drama kind of thing. It's how to transition between this character and your next if they're not immediately dying, or... You can always have them death by GM. Uh, they totally are going to run up to the dragon and roundhouse kick it. 
you know, going into obvious traps, obviously. Um, letting your character hit zero HP and not telling the rest of the party. I mean, yes, there is some sort of dynamic, and typically what happens is, as a player, you go to your GM and go, hey, I'm not feeling this character, how do we want to proceed? Your GM will typically have some sort of idea. Well, I could do this thing, I could do this thing, I can give you an excuse to walk off, like, oh, what are you feeling? And they'll work with you to create a viable story option without breaking too much of their campaign. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully give you a chance to work in your next character. As, like, as a player, when a character retires or dies permanently, they... It, it can sometimes take a little bit to get out of the mind frame that they occupied while you played them. Pull yourself back out of the character so that you're trying to be different from your next. Yes, the wretched little wing things are still around. I haven't gotten rid of them yet. Uh, La Verona is muy bonita. <laughs> Bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> Still, um, you can, I think what this is as, like, as a player, I've watched other characters walk off into the sunset and, you know, start a family, right? And then several adventures later, the same character comes back for whatever reason. And they're still around, just at a different point in their life. So you can reuse characters that retire if you're willing to evolve them as appropriately. And it's something that I think people need to remember about transitioning from one character to another is why did it lose feeling? Why did it feel like whatever it was wasn't working and it's worth fuck I I use it a lot well here's the first thing that you need to do okay like you're, you're just stumbling all over yourself here yes first I off am. first off number one okay I'm playing a character right now I'm not feeling it Okay. Everybody else is having a great time with their character, and the concept that I come up with, or maybe the playability of the character, is not as I envisioned. Okay, so not everything is coming to plan as I have foreseen it. So I go to the GM, like you suggested. I'm like, yo, GM dude, or GM chick, or Lali Rona. Okay? Hey, she is totally hot, dude. I would, yeah. <laughs> I would drown in that bosom. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And I know why he's whistling. He's an asshole. But, okay, so I go to the GM. I'm like, yo, this bringing it up. shit isn't working out here. I want to swap characters. First off, number one, okay, D&D is a group game. It is a group dynamic. Unless I'm playing a one-on-one -on -one game or whatever, typically it's one GM, four players, maybe six players, maybe three players, but there are other people at the table. First off, is my leaving the group with this character going to screw up the dynamic or enhance the dynamic? 
It's not just about me, okay? So when I'm playing a character, if I'm playing the cleric and I'm not feeling that cleric, who's going to back up the new cleric? Is it, Am I going to roll a new cleric or do I need to re-envision this character? Do I need to go to the GM and say, hey, look, I need a life event that slants my character this way so I can fit in with the rest of the party better because our philosophies uh, as far as our in-character engagements are going are not meshing very well and I don't see myself healing like two out of three of the other players. So that's not going to be good for our overall survivability because, hey, we're, it's a group team thing we're trying to pull off here. So first off, even though you're not feeling your character, you need to remember that the other players at the table might, may or may not be relying on your character. It's not just about you once the game begins. Yes, it is your story, but it is as much your story as it is the other players. But if the GM is coached with it and the other players agree, you know, hey, you look like you're not having that too much fun with your character, why don't you roll up a new one or come up with a new concept? That gives you a lot more wiggle room, a lot more gratis to move on to and do your own thing and still have fun and participate with the rest of the group. Again, it is a group effort. G-R-O-U-P. There is no solo D&D unless you're playing AI Dungeon and you're dealing with an AI that is completely batshit insane. <laughs> I was really hoping there for a while that it was just a, a, a leftover April Fool's joke or something. It, has, what it was doing to me. It has not improved much. I, I still log into it every, occasionally and it still has not improved very much. It has. But at the same time, I open the door. Well, you walk across the meadow. What? Where did the meadow come where, from? Where did this meadow come from, and why am I suddenly at a desk when I went to bed? Okay, great. I typed and I sit down, but for some reason I stand up and greet the dwarf. Regardless, when you're not feeling your character uh, mesh out in your head or in playability, as you envisioned and you want to retire, you do have options. Number one, you can just do a hard reset. And this is easiest and most commonly done when the GM says, okay, I can tell you're not feeling this character. What we're going to do is when this adventure is over, when we're done with this dungeon or this battle scenario or whatever, the story's going to make you guys all go back to town to meet the king anyway and get your reward. So what we're going to do is we're going to just fall through this um, and watch you guys get paid and everything. Have your character just basically be like, peace, well, bitches, I'm out. Peace, bitches, I'm out. And we'll bring in your new character and you just get a hard swap. So your new character is just brought in, your old character walks out, it's wham bam, thank you ma'am, easy peasy, super squeezy, lemon cheesy, done, no problems. It can be done, it's it's kind of jarring though. It's uh It it sort of feels like it breaks immersion because you have to you have to make that hard switch between the two characters. Well, it really depends if you're R O L E playing or R O L L playing. It, well it's also you that know? It's also that hard shock, too. Like, mm -hmm. you expect to hop in the shower, and the water should be hot right now because you waited five minutes, but you hop in the shower and it's still cold. It's, it's a hard shock mm -hmm. uh, to the rest of the group, the player. You know, the GM is probably the only one who's really ready for it because they planned it. They, they have set up for this, they've planned in advance, they know what's going on. So the GM is pretty much the only one ready to hop in the shower full of cold water while everybody else is like, wait, what? It's supposed to be warm by now. Then, of course, you have a more slower progression uh, to retire your characters. And that is when the character wants to retire and the game is done. You know, you can look at the GM and say, hey, I'm not feeling this character. I'm going to do a hard pop swap. You know, when we get paid and everything, 
But let's do a little bit of foreshadowing with the rest of the group so it feels more natural for this new character to come in. So my old character is part of, say, the Fighters Guild. Well, the Fighters Guild, uh, when my character, when they, all the characters arrive back at the kingdom to get paid or whatever the storyline says, the Fighters Guild recalls my character and says, hey, there's trouble in your hometown and we know you're going to be emotionally compromised once you find out. So we're just going to go ahead and send you home now to defend your family. But we as the Fighter Guild have a backup right over here who happens to be, you know, different stat blocks, new uh, character sheet. And see, I the way I've found to deal with it as a GM, like right now, I've got someone who's retiring a character because it's gotten away from their original outset for them because, well, they died several times. So they're retiring the one that worships a friend of Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, because they're basically FBI agents for this kingdom, right, they report to the guilds, which are all groups of the different classes, and he's gonna go out one door, and in from the other door walks a totally different character. Which yeah. is like a fighter ranger build that's range. It's weird. Hey, if that's what he wants to play. Uh, still, a lot of different ways to do it. You know, I mentioned earlier, uh, and probably it was the most jarring for the GM, is it's probably much a bad idea to do. But hey, sometimes as a player, you're just like, I've had enough. I'm clocking out of this character. Done. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mentioned this one to you guys earlier in the day. I was playing a character, the concept is he had a lust for life, he was all about living life, doing everything you could before, you know, you had to punch out, you know, a total rebel without a cause kind of character, you know, dirty biker in uh, our, our vampire game, who just wanted to have fun, and they decided to turn him into a vampire, and I'm like, fuck well, you. Well, you. That just takes the whole mick out of things. Basically, you know, if I had made the same character 20 years later, his character concept would have been YOLO. You know, you only live once. Enjoy the shit out of it. You know, he was a fun-loving nihilist. And they turn him into a vampire, so he just rides across the San Francisco Bridge at dawn, breaks Masquerade by blowing up into a blaze of glory. Because being a vampire was completely antithetical to the character concept. Yeah. It's... So, as a player, I'm like, you guys have just hijacked my character's concept. Thanks. Now the character's no fun. So I pulled the plug as a player without even warning the GM. It was probably the most immature way to get rid of a character. But sometimes, you know, that's the blaze of glory attitude. And if you're going to go... We've had games where you know, people have tried to retire characters in a blaze of glory. And it other, peters out. It either peters out or... They, they win. Or they win. It depends. <laughs> they win it's, the thing that they were trying to get to kill them. It's all very situational. We've had people punch out of their characters and they know for a fact their character is going to die, but this is going to be an epic death. They're like, I'm going to jump in the dragon's mouth and punch it from the inside with a fucking mallet. You know, all the other players sitting at the table knows this is the stupidest idea and it will get them killed. But the player doing it knows that this will save the life of the rest of the group. They yeah. will have a chance to get away. So they're willing to retire that character by, you know, death by heroism. Go out in a blaze of glory. It's all very situational. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is, you know, this blaze of glory is not for every character. And certainly we wouldn't want it to be. Um, I've had a character who, uh, a dwarven paladin, who settled down and became a brewer. 
uh, his companion, an archer, went on to have a wife, kids, several different adventures hopping through time and planar bullshit and coming back and he had a weird story arc but he had progression throughout it all and it was his choice to live life to the fullest by living life rather than fuck it I'm gonna die I'm gonna die saving my buddies there were plenty of moments like that but they never came true it's always fun to see a character develop and grow. It, it always is. Uh, like I like I just mentioned though a moment ago, it's all very situational. And if you do manage to retire a character, you have a lot more options as a GM, but at the same time, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword because you know the character's history. You know the shit they're done. Uh, currently, I'm running a game and well... Hopefully, we'll be running a game soon again. But one of the major NPCs in it has, like, three years of history at actual game time play at the table. And, you know, every once in a while, I look through the notes or whatever, and boom, I remember, I you know, things that I've forgotten that have happened to that character. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's when they threw that temper tantrum and just built a town for the fuck of it, just to spite so-and-so. You know, so they got this long history, and the character retired, and now they've become NPC status. It's also a lot of fun, though, to play a retired character... And bring them back, because for some strange reason, when you get to sit on the couch and just let the character, you know, stew in the corner for a couple of years, they the seem flavor sinks in. The, the flavor sinks in, and they didn't. They tend to mature on their own. So I brought back this retired character along with another player who had a retired character, and both of us kind of just looked at each other, you know, like in game, and we're like, "Yeah, I'm a business mogul now. What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, I buy and sell, you know, properties and flip houses." So here's these two hardcore adventurers with thousands of deaths and military campaigns underneath their belts. Great, glorious heroes. And it's like, ah, oh, so what have you been doing? Ah, you know, just hanging out with the kids and the wife. We went on vacation last month. <laughs> you know, everything is Water cooler. Water cooler. Everything is totally secure back in my homeland, so I don't need to whip out the guns and tanks and bombs and rockets and shit anymore. It's actually rather boring, and I'm loving the fuck out of it. And... Because you're a retired character, your priorities have also changed when you bring back a retired character. Because when you start a new character, it's always, I want to become king, or I want to marry the princess, or I want to, you know, find said artifact and become awesome, or... I want to save the town. Wish myself to be godhood, and our characters after we retire, you know, it's like, so what's your goals now? It's like, I want to be able to fall asleep without my back hurting. <laughs> it's really weird because the priority shift you can tell retired characters seem to have more real life goals than the actual characters do <laughs> like what are you doing I just want to eat a steak that's cooked right for a change my wife is terrible at this shit and we've been married 20 years you know it's like and all the other player characters are like I want to be a god and it's like I just want a good steak <laughs> it's like I want to go out on vacation and not be harassed by villagers Right. Exactly. Yeah, you walk through the village, you've been retired for like four years, you've moved off, you've fallen off. It's like Elminster has fallen off of the map and he shows back up and everybody starts bugging him. And Elminster's just like, I want some tomato paste, okay? I'm making a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just one of those things, like, 
I retired a character, as you both know, because I was tired of playing him. It was a joke character because I was on, what, my sixth by then? So yeah, and you were also, like, halfway sleep-deprived through the sessions, because that was still early. Yeah, this was early on. Yes. So we hit a bookend for the chapter of, I know you're going to hate me for saying it, Kingmaker. Yep, that's exactly where I thought you were going Kingmaker is our benchmark for low-end gaming. Even the reason, um, but great concept, terrible execution. It's one yep. of those things where one person had a great idea, and then the module was designed by committee. Yep, exactly. But anyways, we were playing it just before we knew it was total shit. We knew it was shit, but not total shit. Um, Lesson learned. So I retired this character. You know, uh, is a Magus actually, Elf Magus, first female character I ever played. And I just wasn't digging it anymore. Because, you know, I felt useless. Um, so, we hit the bookend. My character became an NPC. And I played a new character. Who, unbeknownst to everyone except for Goblin. Uh, my entire goal as that new character was to overthrow most of the party and become king. <laughs> yeah, that never actually came up. I think we got like four sessions after that and then died. And we moved on to a different campaign. Well, that module is... So bad. Awesome in concept. Terrible in execution. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah, it was just... It was one of those things, you know, where it, a character had to be retired. And I yeah. made another one that was fun, and I'd love to revisit if I could ever find the fucking character sheet. <laughs> yeah, it, character retirement is a weird thing, and I think what we should segue into... Uh, is the more serious side of things because retiring a character is fun it's not often you actually reach the conclusion to a campaign or a game or any of that shit or even just the character story arc or even just the character story arc and you're allowed to just set things down and be like whoa that was a fun ride but I think we need to look at the opposite side of the coin when their Uh, lives are cut short and yeah look at what happens when your character is forced to be retired most commonly because the dice are assholes. Yep. Or because the rest of the party think you're being an asshole. Or, well... Oh, we'll go one than the other. Uh, usually the case is that everybody in the party is being an asshole in some way, shape, or form. True. I'm guilty of this shit in a lot of ways. But, on the other hand, you can have... And this it's part of the problem with really being invested in your character is you, you go in and you're like, there is no fucking possible way that our group, who are totally badass, and we just beat up a fucking black dragon with a black guard riding it, who had an army of witches. And we walk in and, you know, everybody's like going through the dungeon and we're like, there is no way we can lose to a couple of Yonti who have secondhand clothing and a couple of, like, fucking nerf bolts. Mm-hmm. And somehow you, you slip the on dice. the rock. The dice are like, nat one, you break your fucking neck. Snap, crack, yeah. dead. And, and a pathetic death is probably the worst. But... Oh, God, yes. Well, it's one of those things like, oh, all I got to do is jump across this five-foot, you know, river that's rushing by. I can totally do that. I'm a monk. Boing. Crit fail. <laughs> Crit fail. Bloop. Yeah. Oh, it's like... Um... It's typically like those kinds of things are sequential critical fails is the problem. But there are times where your character is forced to retire whether you consent to it or not. Actually, you do consent to it just by playing, but you didn't really agree that it would be at that particular moment under those circumstances. 
when you completely fumble your disabled trap check and then trigger the room full of fireball, or you run into an orb of annihilation. Or run into an orb of annihilation. <laughs> Stupidest barbarian ever. Oh my god. No, I've, I've had players die in my games, and some of them are like, some of the players especially are like, holy shit, there are consequences in Goblin's game. You do stupid shit, you die stupid ways, and suddenly, you know, they... They somber up. They, they sober up. Because now, you know, if they do something stupid, there are actual real consequences, or, you it's know... It's not drunk toddlerism It's anymore. not drunk toddlerism. I've had play... Uh, there was one game that I was running, I want to say I had one character death approximately once every three weeks, and it was because I refused to fudge. Mm-hmm. I did everything as balanced as possible by the book. I was being as fair and non-arbitrary as possible. And there was still, once every three weeks, a character might die or get really fucking close to it. And the players really gravitated towards it. They loved it because... This is gritty reality. This, this is gritty. It wasn't like, oh yeah, you fell down fucking 300 flights of stairs and you're okay. You just got a, a 1D20 worth of scrapes on your left elbow. You're all right. Uh, on the other hand, though, when you're really invested in your character, if you've been playing it for a while and this... You love the shit out of the concept. It feels great to it, play. Exactly. It's or This is the, the story I want to tell right now. It's the character almost knows what to do before you do. But not knows what to do before you do, because then it gets creepy. Yes. Uh, when these characters are forced to be retired early, you know, whether it's a, a bad choice, bad dice, or just one player's being a fucking douche canoe, it sucks. But as a GM, you know, I give any player in my group, because I, I, I know the investment of building a character. There's no character that's made that doesn't have a part of its creator in it. And... As a GM, when a character dies, I'm like, if you need to take five to ten minutes, go go smoke one, go have a drink, whatever, get away from the group if you need. Your character's dead. Do whatever ritual you need to move on, whether it's throw the character sheet in the trash, tear it in small itty-bitty wafers and eat the sheet, whatever. <laughs> we gamers are superstitious lot, all right? So there's no way we can deny this, too. Somebody out there probably tears their character sheet into tiny wafer-thin sections and eats it if their character dies. It's just a ritual. Uh, the, the contents of the ritual aren't as important as the ritual itself. Yeah. For me, you know, usually I pass it off and, you know, I keep going, you know, because everybody else is there. It's, it's group, again, group effort. For myself personally, if a character dies, I'm just like, all right, shit. Uh, if I have a backup, I switch to my backup as soon as possible. If I don't have a backup, I just start rolling. I'm like, I got my core stats, I got my uh, core hit points and my skills. I'll work on the rest later, but this will get me in the game faster so you can keep the game going, Mr. GM. I try to keep the ball rolling. It's only after everybody else leaves, I look at the character sheet and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Then I take care of my own personal rituals and mourning for the character that I had invested my time and energy into. Fold the paper up real nicely, put in a tasteful little cigarette box casket, light it on fire. I usually, um, I, I my ritual is I throw them in the fireplace, mm-hmm. set them on fire, and I watch it burn to the last fucking speck of unburnt material, just to make sure it is completely 100% gone. Uh, I did throw some character sheets in the, the garbage at one time, but it just 
didn't feel the same. It's not a, it's not about satisfaction, it's about closure. Yeah, with the the fire completely burning it away, it forces closure. It forces closure. If I throw it in the trash, I know somewhere out there in the world it still exists. Um, until nature fucking destroys it, that paper still exists. The scribblings on that character sheet still exist. That character still in a small part is still out in the world. But if I burn it, it's gone, it's buried, cremated, gone for good. Uh, for players, though, at my table, and none of them, thankfully, have taken it hard, but I have seen people, like, get fucking emotional, overly emotional about character death. And at this point, it's just best to, se- uh, I guess, because I've never had to deal with it personally, but I would separate them from the rest of the group and be like, deal with your shit. Uh, in a more, uh, what do they call that, empathetic manner. Mm-hmm. And tactful. Tactful. Yeah. Get your shit together, fuck off until you're ready to come back. Uh, with flowery words. <laughs> Metaphors or whatever the fuck. You know, and you're right. And then there's like the weird deaths, which you take you a little bit to process. Like, the first time it happened, I'm, I'm still kind of blown away that it did. We stock extra-dimensional space in another extra-dimensional space, which causes bad things. I.e., Plane, planar portal to the astral plane and zip, there goes the dude. We happened by accident. It was, it was a fairly organic thing and it just everyone was just wide-eyed as it's gone. I, I think that's just the actual, the actual opposite because uh, a fun death, a memorable death uh, for a character is honestly one of the best things that could possibly happen when your character dies because everybody has a good laugh about it. There's levity. You know, if it's something completely stupid, like the... If that bard actually died because of the crab, it would have been a lot... It would have still been hilarious as a story. But at the same time, the bard probably would not have been fucking uncool with it because it was just a series of bad luck. And if that crab had killed him, that would have just been the ultimate bad luck. Right, the final insult. the, The final insult, you know. It's... If you roll really shitty on a saving throw because of something stupid, like you forgot... Uh, like the classic story, the entire group that went into a fucking ocean adventure, all wearing metal armor with no swim skill. <laughs> that is stupidity for the entire group who now takes the swim skill. But at the same time, it's a funny, memorable death. It's like, who the fuck goes out into a pirate adventure wearing a goddamn breastplate and doesn't know how to swim? Well, obviously those guys. Lesson learned. You know. They didn't last long. I think that is the good way for a character to die. On the other hand, I think the, for the worst way for a character to die is because of that asshole. And we all know that asshole. The fucker over there who decides it's funny to kill other player characters. Or decides to have a beef with a specific player character. Or goes out of their way to cause harm to the other player characters for no other reason than just to do it. I'm going to heal uh, the fighter and the other magic user, but... I'm going to leave the ranger out of it, because uh, they offend me. Exactly. Uh, I mean, we have, like, My I've been in groups. really doesn't like uh, elves at all, so, like, I'm going to screw over my party member for character reasons. Now, I have been that asshole numerous times. <laughs> I have made the game unfun numerous times. I admit this. 
Sometimes it was for the greater good. Sometimes it was because I was a douche waffle. Sometimes it was out of revenge because somebody else was being that guy first. And other times you were commissioned for it. And there were times that I was actually, yes, commissioned for it. You know, GM calls me up and says, I want you to kill my party. I'm like, challenge accepted. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want the players dead or the characters? <laughs> we can work out a deal. <laughs> Uh, but still, you know, just that asshole, especially, uh, again, this is situational, but for the most part with every group that I've been in is usually pretty casual. And that guy is basically Debbie Downer. So if you get that guy who decides, uh, I'm not going to heal that one player character because their character believes in a different God than mine. And it's like, everybody looks at that character or that player. And they're like, you literally heal People who worship evil gods. And that's the one that bothers you. And you're planning on killing them after you heal them, after torturing them, but you won't heal the person who's helping you complete your quest. Who's had your back and saved your character before. Yes. Asshole maneuver. Mm-hmm. That's that's a real quick way to get ousted from a party. Well, clearly that's the end of this line. Thanks, bye. We'll yeah. drop you off at the next tavern. Yeah, okay, thanks, bye. As a GM... I do not like having that guy in my party unless there is a good, legitimate reason for it. Like, I can understand revenge. Revenge I'm not, is I'm a not, thing. We've already done an episode on PvP, but if somebody else is being a douche nozzle, the rest of the par- uh, players at the party don't like said douche nozzle, and one of the players who's actually trying to be nice decides to get some revenge points in, I feel inclined not to stop them. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, it feels a little justified at that point, but there's that's one of those slippery slopes that can lead into things. It is a slippery slope, but in the end, I hope that by backing the players who are actually wanting to play the game, when they start revenge killing on the guy who's being a dork, maybe the guy who's being a dork will just get the point and fucking up and leave and realize that four out of five people in the room don't like him. Just, I'm just hoping these kind of things happen. You know, silver lining. I'm trying to be fucking optimistic for a fucking change. <laughs> it's not yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. Optimism. Anyways. Optimism Prime. <laughs> well, dude, I've tried to be happy one time and it was terrible. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I've seen it happen. You know, I've been that guy. I have killed other uh, characters at the table. Ironically, for the greater good, uh, anybody who knows about Evil Fucker, Evel Fouquer, Evel Fouquer, as it was properly pronounced, <laughs> would know that a neutral evil tiefling doing things for the greater good can have some really scary, slippery fucking pieces of flesh on the ground as you walk your way to glory, but that fucking monk had to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad when the neutral evil guy and the chaotic good elf decide, hey, you know, we should tag team that motherfucker over there because he's getting us all killed. When the bad guy and good guy decide to bro fist and take that guy down because he's a worse threat to the party, you got issues. You done fucked up. So, yeah, we retired the monk forcefully. And I'm sure that went over well with the player, but at the same uh, token, <laughs> he kind of earned it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just say I'm not a part of that company anymore ah okay uh, but you know you can see a lot of this like it, a lot of it is just processing how it happens and going about how do we proceed 
which is something I think people need to remember pertaining to death. Like, sure, you might have killed the dude, but did you at least offer him a funeral? Well, the, the thing about a role-playing game is, of course, your character is more than likely, not always the case, but more than likely going to be your favorite character of the story. And when they die, um, it would be the same as watching anything where you have a favorite character die. You met, like Game of Thrones. You know, there were so many characters that I liked. You could not... Early on, I learned you could not have favorites in that TV series. Because if you did... Spudged. More than likely, they were either going to get raped, killed, raped and killed, killed, then raped, or some semblance thereof, or killed what? and then killed again. It's just all sorts of horrible shit. So you really couldn't play favorites in Game of Thrones. But you had to learn it the hard way. You had to learn it the hard way. There were still favorites. You know, like every character that, you know... Speaking of Game of Thrones, I was actually really partial to Ned before he got knacked. Of course. Ned. Right? Um, Badass. Lasted like a season. I, I'm happy, though, to say uh, number four uh, for my favorites. Actually survived all the way to the end. Ooh. Even though they played her like a punk bitch. Uh, like, I gave it three tries, and then, you know, Brienne of Tarth comes along, and I'm like, okay, she is awesome. Bad. I love Brienne of Tarth. Oh, Let, yeah, she's let's so Let's see great. what this badass can do. And I'm like, God, I, she's going to die, isn't she? She's going to fucking die, isn't she? She didn't <laughs> die, but the very last scene they have, she's being played like a bitch. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if you cry. You were still my favorite, and you lived all the way through. Represent. Now, for me, it's all about Samuel Tarly, man. That was a character. <sighs> Samuel. Yeah, Ugh. there's that. Uh, Again, anyway, the, the character in your game, you know, your character is probably your favorite. And if they die, you should treat it as like a Game of Thrones character when they die if you were not expecting them to die. And that's by going, I should have expected this. You have to always be mentally prepared that there is a chance, just like Game of Thrones, just like your character sheet, that this may be the last episode they're in. Mm -hmm. Every time, you got to be like, you don't know if your character's going to get pushed down a fucking endless well into oblivion. You know, you, you don't know if Samuel Tarley was going to survive every episode. Well, we do. Kind of, In retrospect, we do. No, no, I knew beforehand because he was the narrator. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the Game of Thrones thing, he was the narrator. So I knew he was going to live all the way through. But we didn't know if Tormund was going to live all the way through. Right? Yeah. And Tormund is one hell of a fan favorite. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. So, but we have to be just as prepared about Tormund surviving all the way through the series as we do our own character sheet. Mm -hmm. You always have to have that. So, I would say as a player, you know, no matter how attached you are to your character, no matter how much they're your favorite, no matter how much you have invested in them, you got to know that once you sit down, there exists a risk that they don't come back. There is a risk that somebody's D20 could roll up a one at the worst fucking minute. Or another someone's the DMs will roll 20 at the worst possible moment, and they just... Yeah. Sorry, man. There that's where be, the dice fell. There could be a critical fail or a critical miss, or a, somebody does something stupid at just the right time, like, you know, mouth off to Tyrion when he's holding a fucking crossbow, and he's a bit angry. Hmm. Somebody may do something stupid in-game that results in your character being killed in that game session. So you need to be ready for it, is the only real advice I can give when dealing with character death is you always have to be prepared that this may be the last session for this character. Now, you know, there's a certain, like, grittiness to, oh, this is the last day I live. Oh, this is the last day I live. Eventually, after a few repetitions, it stops feeling that way. 
So it's important to keep in the back of your mind, but not necessarily keep it a big deal. Yeah, don't make a big deal out of it. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Yeah, definitely. I'm not saying make a big deal. You know, sit down at the beginning of every game. Go. This may be the last game session this character is involved in. No, play the character. Like the character. Like the character. Do the things you're planning on doing and everything, but just realize that randomness happens. And just like in real life, you know, I, I don't get up every day and think, oh, this may be the last day I live. I'm going to go fucking jerk off and watch the boys. No, I got shit to do. I got plans. I got things I want to take care of. But I understand that when I leave the house... I might get, exists. I have, you know, reality exists. I might get hit by lightning. There's a very slim chance of that. It'd be a cool way to go out because it'd blow my shoes right off. <laughs> that is not a bitch way to go. At the same token, I might get hit by a car. Which is less fun. I live in a shitty neighborhood. A homeless guy with a machete may decide to try to rob me. Yes, we have those down just down the corner. I think you were there with it. Yeah. Yeah, there was a shirtless homeless dude walking around with a machete hacking at things just for no fucking good reason. Lovely. But I still have shit I want to do. You know, and characters are the same way. You know, they get up, they do things, they have their own motivations. A character is not going to, you know, when you put the character sheet down, it'd be like, you shouldn't go. Oh, this is the last game my character may be in. I mean, if you're planning on leaving the group, that may be a different story. But... But, That's know, a different step. It's like real life. Continue doing the things that you want to do until randomness says no. Yeah. YOLO, bitches. Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now as a GM, what can we do to help players pass between one character to the next? As a GM, what can we do to help facilitate retirement? Moving on, death by heroism, whatever. Exit stage left, enter stage right. I think the biggest thing we can do is not make our campaign so rigid that there's no way for another character to just appear. You know? Or make the game so play uh, character-centric, so dependent on characters, that if one of them happens to check out, that you look at your notes and be like, Fuck, I gotta call game for a week while I come up with new ideas. Yeah. I love to make plans around player characters. I really do. But sometimes player characters do things like die. <laughs> or throw the wrench things. <laughs> and I'm like, I had a complete story arc around one player character. And then the character died over the stupidest shit. And I'm sitting there looking at my notes going, uh-huh. Not going to let them in on the fact that I'm just going to... Change gears now and move the game a different direction until I figure shit out. Not going to tilt my hand. <laughs> but I was like super disappointed behind the GM screen because I'm like, I had four game sessions planned for this one character. A story arc. A, a story arc. Just for them. And then we, you know, I'd move on to other characters and stuff. But this person would have their fucking moment of sh to shine. And, you know, it would help with the team building with everybody else helping this person out that they would finally come out of their introverted shell maybe just a little bit, you know, and be like, hey, these people really do care about me. Nope, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm dead would be the more accurate, which is still, that's that's a pretty rough thing. Like, and it's a, it's a good thing to do as a GM is, like, keep an idea or three for every character so that they each have their own story 
to progress, but don't hinge your campaign on it, as we can tell. Hinge your campaign on it, but use a shitload of grease. <laughs> don't be afraid to spit on it. Don't be afraid to spit on it. You know, stroke up and down in even measurements. Ooh. You know, cup the balls, relax the jaw. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, however you pay for your car ride home. It's the new millennium. Don't be so judgmental. Uh, gay, straight, bi, it's all the same now. <laughs> Fucking uh, got to miss George Carlin. Yeah, yeah, but... But I think one thing is, like, you gotta be ready for the unexpected deaths as much as anything. Um, like, a gift from the goblin to one of my players was a doll where you pull the string and you send in it does some damage, depending on how many charges you expend. And, well, they didn't bother trying to figure out... Well, no, they tried figuring out what it was. They were all half-asleep IRL. And then someone decides to pull the string. He's ripcord it. Again, this is a perfect example of... GMs don't go out of their way to kill players. Nope. Or go out of their way to kill characters. Characters go out of their way to kill, kill characters. characters. <laughs> right? So they, they pull the string, and next thing they know, this little ram doll goes running off, running back at full tilt... And caves their chest in as it expends all of its charges. Yes, it was Rebecca Ramsey, uh, part of my doll collection because I do love making uh, games for D or dolls for D and D. Rebecca Ramsey was basically a doll that was Ring of the Ram. And for those uh, who are unfamiliar with Ring of the Ram, you when you expend a charge, it does one d six force damage. Basically, it's a, a battering ram. That you hold in your hand. It's, it's a ring of the ram. It's, it's a, yeah, it, you wear it on your finger. You wear it on your finger. You point your hand at it like a barrier or something. You activate the ring. It does 1d6 force damage to the barrier. And. Or, well, or whatever you're pointing it at, really. And yeah. that's that. And you can expend, you know, like one, three, or five charges at a time to, for extra damage and whatnot. Well, <clears throat> Rita Ramsey, the doll. Uh, like many of the dolls that I create, uh, was cursed. And there was like a 5% chance that when activated, instead of going after what you designated as the target and expending the charges to do damage at what you designate, the doll will instead target you, the user, and expend all remaining charges. Oh dear. So, said player that uh, Blasphemous is talking about. Uh, he activated the doll and he rolled shit. So he took 50 d6 of damage right then and there. As a doll just like ran 50 feet away from him and turned around, ran right back at him and head butted him in the chest for 50 d6. Ouch. And how did we deal with that death? <laughs> By wondering how like, reverse um, xenomorph would look like, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, the, the god that this person had chosen to worship uh, then transmogrified them to an entirely different species ah, to make it harder for them to die because they died twice in their elvish form. Alright, 
You don't get more knife ears. You get, I don't know, something with armor. Hey, third time's a charm, right? <laughs> and now that character is going to ride off into the sunset, or no, has ridden off into the sunset, having decided that their god has told them to go forth and start a church or something. Eh, whatever works, you know. I mean... But that... that's a way that we've handled the character dying... Oh, there he goes. Sorry, it's been a long day and it's a comfy temperature right now. I Um, know, right? The character has died and we've handled it. The character is retired and we're handling it. Well, that's actually one of the... um, Now that you bring that up, one of the most common ways a character will retire is... Your game has been running for close to two years now with those characters, as Uh, I recall. Two years, end of the month. Yep, two years. And you guys have only been able to play like maybe once a month, maybe twice a month if you're lucky. Mm. Uh, these last few months have been pretty hard. This fucking last year has been really hard. Well, especially because I have military guys in the group and they get sent away just like... Well, you got military guys, you had a wedding recently, you got the pandemic. There's a lot of shit going on that is crapping not just your game, but a lot of games. But at the same token, you know, after a while, you know... Two years is a long time to be focused on a character. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people do retire characters just because, you know, it's kind of like... Been running for so long. You've licked the lollipop until there's no flavor left on the stick. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, at that point you kind of have to set it aside and think about it for... Mm -hmm. Or, like, let it marinate, as we've seen. Yeah, bringing back characters from retirement, which is another thing we should probably do as a topic sometime. Go for it. Do you get a microphone? Just fucking do it. So you know, you some retirement can you can come back to, come back from, I should say. You know, badass archer, right? Went off, started a family, settled down. Well, some other world-ending shit happened, and he happened to be there. Fuck me, this here we go again. And he just came back in as more progressed, retired character. Well, shit, um, a certain character we keep bringing up in today's podcast who's been worshipping a god who's a complete ass nugget in mm. many ways. The god or the character, or both? Actually, the, the god uh, began as a character that I started and played the fuck out of for over a decade... So, yeah, there's some history behind that character. Uh, and, yeah, they were started off as basically a joke. Because when I first started that character, the rules for Ninja sucked balls. So, we were still playing 2nd edition D&D. And I made a rogue. <laughs> and just said he was a ninja. Because the rules for Ninja in 2nd edition D&D were just pretty sucktastic. Then 3.5 came out. Or, I mean, 3.0 in around 2000. And then I uh, converted the character over to 3.0, and then um, the ninja, or Ninjas of the Crescent Moon came out as part of the supplements, and holy fuck, the character really took off, became super badass, and then the Faerun books came out, the character became even more badass. Constant ramping. Constant ramping. Uh, shit happened, things happened, adventures, whatnot, and finally the character got to the point where, like, um, he married a wizard... Uh, because she was impressed by the fact that he could sneak past all of her magical everything, uh, doodads and doohickeys. And he's like, no, I just walked in through the front door. And she's like, one is like, you were paying so much attention to the windows and 
the gates and everywhere else somebody could break in, you didn't lock the front door. <laughs> right? She just pointed out the fact that she didn't lock the front door because she was so worried that somebody would break in from another avenue. And so, like, the character married, he had a couple of kids, chilled out, and decided, you know, become basically the, the uh, white ninja, the good guy for uh, who'd kill for good and kind of stuff like that. Because somebody has to get their hands dirty, but not the real heroes. Right. So he was the hero behind the heroes. Like, the shit heroes wouldn't do. He was an, a very anti-hero about it. And then we had a game start up. And, you know, he came back out of retirement after all of this, and he was basically a demigod and all sorts of other shit. And I'm like, well, how do I bring this character out of retirement when he's happy, he's safe, he's content, he murders people for the, the greater good, he's practically immortal, can do whatever the fuck he wants, he's got this awesome wife and shit. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's right, when I first invented the character, way back in ancient times, when second edition was still a thing... He had a brother. So his brother died and went to hell. That's part of the was part of the fuel for this character adventuring and stuff like that. Because yeah. he didn't want to go out like a punk bitch like his brother did. Well his brother came back from hell and murdered his family out of jealousy, and then the character, you know, took that real dark turn again and became evil version. Evil. So So yeah. Long story short. When you retire a character, when you unretire them, it is actually a shitload more character development. Oh, it's yeah. work. Yeah. And here's the big issue I have with that character is actually bringing him in as an NPC. Is there so much history behind this character? I know how he responds to stimuli, reactions, how he plots, how he plans and stuff. And to bring him in as a divine being, because the only reason he went divine was also part of storyline stuff, is... You were, you were actually in that game, Blasphemous. Yeah. yeah, he showed up as a force of evil for the greater good. He was there to murder the shit out of people for the greater good. Mm-hmm. All while hunting his brother down. He was necessary evil. He was the necessary evil. He was darkness for the sake of darkness. Get shit done. And then you didn't you have just had to resurrect him for your game. <laughs> hey, as one of the two inheritors of the Living World campaign... What better way than to have the outsiders appear in my world? But this is, um, the reason I go on this long-winded tangent, though, is if, as Kazer can suggest, unretire a character, you have to think about these things. What would get somebody who has it all? And happiness and, and safety. Which happiness, safety, power, whatever the case may be. They succeeded at their goals. What would rope them back into the game? You know, th th this is the John Wick thing. Right, so what he got bring, out. John got Wick out. got he, out. He was happy. He had a wife. He had a dog, and then his wife died, which was tragic. I mean, of course, John Wick. You know, he had his dog stomped on him, and that brought him back in the game full, big time. But well, you steal my car and you stomp my dog. He I'm was, gonna fucking kill you. It was the dog. It was the dog. It was Absolutely the dog. the dog. And Thanos should not have snapped his fingers at that time. Um, <laughs> just saying. But John Wick goes for the head. But what I'm saying, though, is if you actually successfully retire a character, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've played that character. I've got characters that were played very short time that retired, but what would bring them back in the game? Mm -hmm. What, what would, sort of events yeah. must transpire for them to be like, okay, I need to leave my home and finally do something about this? Like, uh, let's say Blasphemous is playing a character and his character gets married and realizes he's got a small one on the way. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's a pretty life changing event. Especially if he, that the person a, he married was another adventurer, and they both realize we've got to settle down. Yeah, we can't he, be doing this anymore. You, you can't be uh, running around killing the shit out of every fucking orc you see when you got a little mouth to feed. So you retire the character and say six months later another game starts up and the GM is like, hey, hey, we want that warrior back. It's like, uh, well, that warrior retired. He retired for good reasons. But if you want to play that character again, you've got to come up with a legitimate reason that actually sounds credible rather than, I just ditched my wife. Unless your character's an asshole. They're but not, that's a different thing. That's a, that's a different thing. Still, you got to have a good reason. Why does Vegeta come back to the tournament? Because now he's fighting for his family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's that change in motivation that is really going to mark their character development and how it affects the way that they act. It's actually more of, I would say, in my opinion, it's more of a life-changing development to retire a character and bring them back in the game once you have a stable reason to bring them back than any reason you write during the character's conception and put in their backstory. Right? Which is kind of an interesting thought. I know... Depending on the avenues your backstory has run, uh, for instance, one character you actually played in this game, this was the birthday party one. Ah, yes. Uh, All praise to the little kitten. (laughs) That was a weird event, but okay. It worked. It did. Um, So this character was a sailor. His loyalty was mostly to his first crew. Like, these are the people that taught him how to sail, how to interact, how to defend himself. How, how to, to suck dick. How to exist at sea for In longer. the Navy. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of semen out there. <laughs> and then the ship goes down in a freak storm, and he has to make a contract with, I think I had said, a fey lord who happened to be underwater type to continue on. And now his goal is to find the original crew since the ship sure as fuck ain't coming back, but at least maybe I can get get the blokes back. His story arc never developed beyond that, but it was... It is something that you can do if you understand long-term what you might want from a character early in. Keep going! Pop it! (laughs) I know you're trying! Do it once, we can edit it out later. (laughs) Just keep talking, I'm getting a pretzel bite. Would you like some salt? No, I just want... Here. Have one. (laughs) You're You're supposed to be talking right now while I'm eating. (laughs) I'm eating because you're talking. So the character was already planning for a long journey, right? That's really good. It was always going to be the long haul, hey, let's get the lads back together, go sailing one last time, right? It's the, it's a last hurrah in its own right. And when your crew is scattered to the winds and or possibly extra planar, that's never going to be a short journey. It's always going to be very spiderwebby. So it's going to have longevity because you can only walk straight in one direction at a time. I think the only thing I can really say right now, because we're getting to the point of last thoughts anyway and stuff. Yeah. When uh, you're a GM that's more than likely better of a GM than I am, 
you've already learned this lesson. Uh, younger GMs probably haven't. But when you retire a character, there's always that temptation to bring the character back as an NPC. Always. It's... It exists, therefore. It exists, and it's really easy, especially if you were playing a hero, to have an NPC come in and basically be the mentor to a bunch of uh, player characters. And but... remember that mentor status uh, as my final thoughts. When you come in, do not solve the problems for the player characters. Do not... Uh, leave everything as cryptic messages and everything. If you can, basically try to be that beacon to guide them, to give them, you know, well, something here's to strive a little bit forward. of wisdom, right? That's yeah. basically what the mentor role. The, the mentor, you're you're the wise master. You've done all this shit before. You've got your own problems, and they're like, "Why don't you solve it?" Because I'm busy dealing with other shit. Well, no, it's not because you're busy dealing with other shit. Maybe you, uh, when your character retired, they vowed a vow of nonviolence. They can't take care of it because they would break their vow because somebody special to them died and the promise means more to them than it does uh, drawing a blade again, but the player characters can handle it and this mentor has faith that they can handle it. Put the spotlight on the players, not your former character. Uh, it's a they... head nod or a small presence. It's An not Easter egg. Yeah, it's not supposed to be the ruling cast. That's not their role anymore. You, you can tell when an, a former character is taking more of the spotlight than they should in a setting like that. And so uh, my final advice is that when you do run a NPC who is a former player character, uh, especially when they're your own, duh, is to just uh, basically pass the baton. You know, yes, you're... you're, you're I'm great, I'm big, I'm badass. Woo. You're great, you're big, you're badass. You've got I got a wife of, and kids. I got you, shit. You've to got do. a fuck ton of history and all that, but it if you're going to bring in your NPC to be a mentor, be a mentor. You'll be the one to give the advice to uplift the new players. So when they move along from their adventures and they want to do the same thing when they start GMing, they can actually keep that Train momentum rolling. going. You know? Yeah, pass it forward. Yeah, pay it forward. That's my final thoughts. Um, I'm gonna go downstairs and enjoy some pizza, so I'm going back to my crypt. Game Goblin, out. I think that character death can be a pivotal moment for a player, and especially for the character that died and their surrounding players. People, some, like, uh, let's use the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as an example. Aaron, the Uncle Aaron, his death really drives the entire plot forward from that point. It ties up a lot of the loose ends. And a part of this as a player is that moment will change your character's life. Your friend just died, your companion just died, whatever you want to term it. And that changes things. It adds severity, it adds depth it can add character development you know everybody's bonding and swapping stories afterwards wake style or something there is opportunity in death and players in GM can work with that if they're willing Kazarkan back to this guys biggest thing I gotta say to it is if it's really not working it's not working and 
sometimes a change of costume is necessary. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm done with this character, but not this game. And if you're done with the character and the game, more power to you. But I usually would rather keep the game and change the character. Darth Blasphemous signing off. Hey, uh, Kazrakan, Blasphemous. You know, the other day I saw somebody was missing uh, a bunch of toes on their left foot, and it really disturbed me. I, uh, I think I'm lactose intolerant.